0: Howdy, folks. Welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John the IV. On today's episode, I'm chatting with an old friend of mine named Yvonne Strangel. Yvonne Strangel is a musician, model, and now actor in France. We talk about his music, how he decided to move to France, and some other topics, too. Check it. So, how's it look on your end?
1: Uh, I mean, you know, like, the pandemic is affecting everyone, so uh, things are a bit slow, but, um... I'm I'm working on some projects, uh, some I can't really publicly comment on now because of, you know, NDs. You're from Montana, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, I was born in New England and then moved out to to Montana uh, and lived there during my formative years before moving back to Boston and then eventually to Europe.
0: Oh, cool. I know you spent some time in China, too, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. But that was just, you know, I, I went, uh, it was an exchange program. I was studying Chinese, uh, in, in school at the time and there was an opportunity to go. So I took it.
0: Cool. We used to talk about that a bit. I was like, Oh, cool. And we'll talk about, like, the, you know, what China was like and everything, you know? <clears throat> you know, you have red hair that for a second there too, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I had a, uh, uh, I had a red streak going, you know, through it. It was, uh, you know, everyone was sort of expressing themselves in different ways. So, you know, that was mine.
0: There you go. That's a Okay, so bouncing back from New England to Montana. Um, so what was it like growing up?
1: In Montana? Either one, just your experience growing up. Um, well, Montana was interesting because, um, I mean, at the time I was one of two black kids in a school of 800. Uh, and so um, that was interesting in the sense that, I mean, I, and I was actually kind of isolated because I was a gifted athlete. So, you know, in terms of I was a track star, I was a wrestler, I was their, you know, football guy, um, you know, I was their gymnast. Um, so, you know, I was kind of isolated from a lot of, you know, stuff that one might normally catch, you um, but, you know, until I started messing around with some of the girls, and, and the parents weren't cool with that. But for the most part, um, you know, my uh, experience out there, educational-wise, was was a good one. Um, you know, then I came, when I moved back to Boston, that's when things kind of got really hot, because, you know, you had uh, different clans, different tribes, uh, you know, townies didn't talk to people from the Berry. You know, so there was a there was a, a relearning process when I came back, but you know, I, I managed to survive that, and uh, you know, uh, eventually uh, grew up and ended up here. Yeah.
0: So when you say you wrestled in high school, was it like Greco? Was it like folk, folk or freestyle? What's that? No, we said we wrestled in high school. Was it like Greco style, folk freestyle? It was
1: Greco. It was Greco. You know, it's a, yeah, it's just you uh, know like traditional uh, wrestling. Um, yeah, so that, that's the whole thing. And the thing was, is it, in in the Midwest, I mean, they had much more cash uh, for their educational system. So you know everything was top of the line. You know, paid for. Uh, and then when I came back to you know Boston, you know, it's like you know suburban, sort of they weren't you know sort of doling up Money for wrestling or fencing or anything like that. So, uh, you know, that kind of had had to get curtailed. But, you know, that, that's what, when I sort of switched from um, sports in Nigeria to music. It's like, you know, you had to find an outlet somewhere. So,
0: that was the next question. So, once you get into rock music,
1: man, well, I mean, the thing is, is when living in Montana, um, you know, they predominantly listened to it was either country and Western or rock. So, Uh, You know, I kind of grew up with that out there, and then, you know, so I was always into rock, and then when I came back to Boston, you know, of course, you know, well, being black, well, you had to be R&B and hip-hop, like blues or jazz, like, yeah, well, I like that too, but, you know, I was brought up on, you know, big guitar, so, Uh, and then I just just stuck with it, because there just seemed to be such a saturation of black artists who were only... In R&B or or hip hop, what they what what they call it now, like urban contemporary or whatever, and um, you know I didn't see a lot of cats, uh, you know, swinging axes, so uh, that was a, the path that I chose.
0: How the times have changed now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great now. It's like you get, it's like the musically, you know, that everyone's all over the map now. So that's uh, it's great. I mean, I'm I'm loving it.
0: Yeah. Because remember we talked about, you know, the name you have, Avon Strangeo. I was thinking mm-hmm. like, do you ever get, has there been confusion between you and also the RB singer at the time?
1: Uh, well, that's why actually I have to the Strangel moniker because to avoid that, because I actually had the name first, but um, when it comes to uh, the court system, they go by which one is most recognizable, because, you know, of course he had uh, a video out and much bigger lawyers. Uh, there was no way I was going to win that fight, um, but it was actually kind of a blessing because I realized, in, you know, now everyone's much more sensitive to SEO, you know, and sort of search engine placement and you know, uh, keywords. That avant would just get buried, you know, because there's avant-garde jazz, there's you know, avant painting. So it's you know, alone, it wasn't going to pick up much traction. So adding the old you know, made it unique and guaranteed, you know, me coming up in searches. So it was a, uh, I lost the battle, but not the war.
0: Good way to put it. You know, I remember also you're like a big David Ryan Harris fan, right?
1: Oh, still am. Still am. I I, I love that dude. It's like, I, I follow him on um, Instagram. Um, you know, he's just a phenomenal songwriter. Uh, and there's just so much that, I, you know, I ended up finding out that he, people that he wrote for that I never knew, but I mean, him as an artist by himself, I was, you know, I started following him when he was a follow for now, and then he was he did something with the, I think called the brand, uh, um, the brand new immortals. Uh, he did a, a couple of other projects, some songwriting stuff, and you know now he's David Ryan Harris. But um, yeah, I mean, he just like in terms of lyrically uh, and his arrangements, I just that the dude's just like a brilliant songwriter.
0: Oh yeah, he actually put me onto him.
1: Yeah? Yeah.
0: Oh, totally, yeah. I oh, yeah, yeah. totally did, you know. Did you ever, like, kind of, have you ever crossed paths or not, or what?
1: With, uh, uh David? Harris, yeah. Uh No, no. I mean, if I think it's, well, I mean, I'm in Europe now, so I, I doubt, you know, I'll ever cross, you know, pass with him, let's say, state-size, or he he goes on a tour or something. But, uh, no, I mean, it, it's, you know, if I might send a couple of messages on instagram admiring the music because sometimes i do live performances okay. but um we don't we don't know each other
0: <clears throat> that's fair all right so all right so i remember when but when did you move to france though
1: man i've been here for I moved here a while ago it's been at least 10 maybe 12 years it's been a while it's yeah it's been a while, wow, <laughs> time flies, yeah, it's been a long time.
0: It yeah. feels like yesterday, remember like your cover mm-hmm. of my guitar Gently weeps, you know,
1: oh yeah, yeah, that was uh, yeah, yeah. I let your take on it thanks, thanks yeah there there's people who either love it or they hate it. Yeah, I have some Beatles, some George Harrison purists that are like, you know, how dare you because I actually added another verse. I, I felt that it was a bit lopsided so I added another verse to kind of round it out and, you know, some people like it and some people can't stand it but you know, it's all about interpretation.
0: I always wonder what if what a certain Beatles fans think of a Hazel's version of, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I want you she so heavy I always wondered yeah
1: yeah but i mean that that's that's, that's, that's funedelic man it's, i mean they're they're pretty much on uh equal footing uh, music musical wise musicality wise it's like that, that that version it's just i mean it's a monster it's a, it's uh it's a but i mean that that's much more of a a, a truthful interpretation in terms of structure but uh yeah. I mean, I think they'd appreciate it. If, if any Beatles, you know, fan hasn't heard the, the fungadelic version, then yeah, they're missing out.
0: So are those releases still available online, or are you trying to, like, separate, you know, you as an actor and a musician?
1: No, they're still available. I mean, the thing is, is, there's no reason why you can't be an actor and a musician. I just, you know, move, doing acting, I kind of, Slid into sideways, and it seems to have been much more, um, uh, I'd say, profitable, if you will. Uh, You know, it's like with when you're a musician, you're trying to find gigs, you're trying to, you know, you've always got that hustle on, and there are so many other bands out there trying to do the same thing. Uh, You know, it's difficult to kind of eke a living out with that. But you know, me doing the acting thing, I do voiceovers for commercials. I do some animations and video games. And it was just uh, the project just kind of came to me, so I just kind of naturally just got into it. I mean, just the, the the gravity of okay, yeah we got a project for you, great, or you know, there's a audition for a role and an audition, and you know, for whatever reason, ended up getting the role. So, but, you know, I guess I'm uh, I guess I, I'm good at what I do on some level because I keep getting work. So yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's like I still love music and, you know, I still play and practice and, you know, I'm noodling out new songs and stuff. But just, uh, you know, the time between, it's like you can't serve two masters. So, you know, as much as I love music, uh, you know, learning lines and rehearsing and stuff for, for movies and series, it, it takes a lot of work as well. So,
0: Understood totally. You know, so how'd you get into acting?
1: I was actually... Um, uh, I slid into it sideways because when I actually went in for a, a casting to do a voiceover, um, I saw an ad and, um, and I was uh, working as an IT guy and it was basically kind of like a, a rupture or saturation of IT professionals and I needed to jump into something else. And people kept saying, you know, I'm thinking, okay, well, what else can I do? And I always kept hearing, you know, growing up, oh, you have such a nice voice, you have such a nice voice, I said, okay, well, let's see if I can make some money out of this puppy. So I went into an, a, a casting for a voiceover. Um, you know, they spoke with me, they we kind of, they filmed uh, like a, a self-tape or a video of me speaking, and they actually ended up coming back and saying, well, we want you in front of the camera instead, and then it just kind of it started from there. Like I did the you know, if you look on um, if you search YouTube for a parrot, um, the company that makes drones, what they used to, um, I was their uh, basically pilot instructor um, for a, a bunch of different models of the drone that they had at the time. And um, so I went from that uh, to I said, oh well, this is interesting. I like this, and um, you know went from that I. Actually started auditioning for uh, you know a couple of series and I ended up getting those roles and you know so I just really I started off just wanting wanted to do voice and you know ended up just sliding into acting you know sideways.
0: Hmm. So what is France's film scene like?
1: Um, well, it it, it depends. I mean, France. Uh, it like, okay, let's let's parse it. Like when you're asking that question, what do you what do you mean exactly? Like,
0: you know, when I think of like, okay, if almost every country has their own like equivalent of Hollywood, I assume, right? Right. You know, like Canada has natural film board Canada. You know, it's like you know, of course, like you know, the UK has BBC stuff. You know, mm-hmm. and I know they shoot a ton of shit over in France right now. You right. know, Nigeria has. Their thing, In you also mm. East India. Well, India has Bollywood and everything. Right. So, of course, well, I, mean,
1: I don't, I don't know what you'd call, you know, in, in France, but I mean, France has Cannes. You know, everyone, you know, from all over the world, Hollywood included. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The film festival the film festivals, um, but in terms of, uh, uh, you know, work. I mean, it's kind of similar to the states, to where, you know, they, they make kind of some of the same mistakes in terms of. You know, you have, like, stereotypes, um, and uh, it's um, one of those things to where I, I try very hard to avoid that type of stuff or those those kinds of roles, um, but, you know, each country has its own history, you know, their own perspective, their own culture, so, like, in the States, you know, you have the, you know, if you're a... What's well, changing now, but before, like if you're the black guy, okay, you're a convict, or you're a drug dealer, or you're a thug. You know, it's, it's much more diverse now. Um, you've got you know, you know, people in power making different decisions. You know, France is you know, maybe like five, ten years behind in the sense that you still kind of have those roles. Like if you're Latino, you're going to be you know, cleaning someone's house. If you're Arab, you're going to be a terrorist. If you're African, you know, you're going to be working security. know so there's still a lot of uh, in terms of the diversification of roles um france is is still has some work i mean the beginning to make changes but it's slow
0: it happens you know something like i want to think of like because you know we get some french films over here because you know netflix Mm -hmm. you know so it's like you know my mom loves you know lupon you know she really takes
1: that Oh yeah, that's well. I mean, that's, that's the thing is, I mean, Lupin. That's you know one of the new. Uh, I mean, that's like the new filming uh, generation. You know, you got Omar C in it, who I mean, he's basically, uh, you know, he's one of the big fish here. So, uh, you know, obviously, if he's going to do something, that's going to the cast is going to be a bit more diverse. Um, but you, you can still see some of the the same kind of tropes. Uh, even in, in that series, so they they tried very hard to to break some of those. But yeah, I mean that that's a that's a great example of you know, of French cinema kind of you know making it internationally now. Cause, I mean, the thing is is the French are very good at telling stories that don't require a lot of special effects. And that's that's one thing that you know, they they have um um there's a, a, an expression uh, we close. It's like a, a closed room. Uh, where they can tell a very engaging story in a room that no one ever leaves and that's a very hard to do to make a, a movie of something interesting where everyone is in the same room and um, and that, that that requires a very strong you know dialogue and a very strong story um, so you know as much as I appreciate American film because you know we're okay with you know big budget and you know, effects and cinematography and all that uh, you know the French they can they can tell a very endearing and engaging story um, with you know without a, any of that
0: very true like when I think of French film I think of cinematography and also mm-hmm. think of stuff like my VM Rose you know I think of that when right French film I think of and also um, cuties as well I didn't see a big deal I just thought it was a very French film.
1: Yeah. You know, oh I mean this. You know, it's, it's funny the cuties was very controversial. I actually to be honest, I still haven't seen it yet. In miss much the noise that it was making because people had made one assumption before even seeing the film. It, it just, it, you know, it was just hilarious. It's like uh, you know, people were saying, "Oh, it's sexualizing these children and you know, pedophilia, and blah, 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 blah. It's like, um, did you see the movie? <laughs> and it was directed by a woman, woman, so you might want to slow your roll. Um, but, yeah, that's that's kind of like the new generation of filmmaking where, you know, they're, they're different subjects. It's much more diverse. They're talking about different things and you know, pushing things in different directions um, and they're different perspectives because it's, it's you know, you have, uh, I mean, Paris particularly, we call it the Île de France, um, is very diverse. It's very mixed. You have a, a huge Arab and African population. You have a, an Asian population. I mean, because you know, France at one point they had a lot of colonies: Vietnam, Africa, Algeria, and so there's a very um, diverse mix of uh, people in Paris. But it, you don't really see a lot of that in the films, unless it's you know, like you said, Omar C is doing something, or 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 the new generation of filmmakers. Uh, which you know they grew up in the there, which is you know kind of like the hood so they they're include they're much more inclusive
0: hmm. I'm glad to see that you know hopefully hollywood here kind of picks up they're trying to mm-hmm. you know cuz
1: well i mean hollywood i think the states is much more you know the the one thing i have to say for the us is we have a tendency to at least take the stuff head on you know, it's like, okay, it's, like, it's ugly, but it's something we need to deal with and we need to acknowledge it. Um, <clears throat> France isn't quite there yet. You know, it's, it's there's, there's still stuff that they're struggling with acknowledging. So they, they, they still have a lot of work to do, but, you know, people are trying. Um, but in terms of the States, I mean, now you have, uh, you know, actors or production companies where they include writers that, you know, the staff or the crew or the... You know, the the cast has to be composed of of a mixed group of people. Um, I mean, that's important because you get, it's much more enriching. Um, That's something that, uh, they're struggling with that. It's uh, it's becoming much more, people are um, more comfortable with pointing it out now to where you'll see a lot of castings that come out. And someone will say, well, is there any reason why the lead has to be you know, the white guy, why can't it be the Asian guy or the black guy or, you know, um, you know, and so unless there's a particular reason, you know, that they have to be this color for the, you know, if it's related to the story, like, of course, if it's World War II and the guy is a German Nazi, you can't cast, you know, a black guy in that because it just, it wouldn't work, you know, Um, but for anything else, you know, if it's like a Modern-day story. There's no reason why you can't swap out, you know, ethnicity or even gender in some of the roles. Um, and so people are beginning. They're at least asking, or casting directors are saying, "Well, does it have to be, you know, this profile? Can we kind of expand it?" In some cases, they'll say yes, and some no. But it's it's definitely on the radar here. I mean, I think France will catch up eventually. But you know, usually, if something starts here. It takes a few years to get to the states, and it's the same thing. If something starts in the states, it's going to take a few years before you know the wave gets here.
0: Yeah. All right. Outside of looking in. Okay. So, how does like France look at the United States? I'm just kind
1: of curious. <laughs> well, uh, much better now that you know uh, the the orange clown is is uh, out of office. Yeah. Um. Uh, People were were struggling with that one for a while. Yeah.
0: Uh, Our bad, y'all. I ain't nothing to do with it, (laughs) I'm just saying.
1: Well, I mean, the thing is, is in one sense, they couldn't really throw stones because, you know, France is also kind of dealing with their own... uh, uh, The U.S. had uh, Trump, and uh, France has a a politician called Le Pen. Um, And Le Pen is basically like your extreme right... Uh, you know, basically it's like the female version of Trump but even, you know, uh, more racist. Um, And so they've had close calls with that one so they couldn't you know, really point the finger too hard but at the same time they're like, you know, how is it you went from Obama to Trump? We, We don't understand that. You know, it's like you guys elected a black president which no one thought would ever happen and immediately after, you you guys vote in this, you know, completely incompetent, you know, circus monkey, um, you know. So, but the, the thing is, is the French are able to parse out that the difference between the government and you know its people. You know, obviously, the, half of the people voted for Trump, but they know that it, it's not a monolithic thing. So. And i you know, they get, you know, some of you Americans, you, you, guys get some issues, and you need to work through some stuff. Um, but you know, each country has uh, their own funk to deal with.
0: True. Can I always imagine the world just kind of looks at the U.S. like a bunch of gun-toting morons basically dancing on a cauldron of gumbo for some fucking reason?
1: Well, I mean, there, there is. I mean, you're not part.
0: wrong, but I'm like, <laughs> yeah, more, I, mean, it's more I mean, there, there are.
1: We do get asked that question. It's like, you know, you guys seem to be really kind of fascinated with guns. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, they—that's they, like I said, you know, in terms of uh, the ability to exercise the skill of critical thinking, you know, they're able to parse out that not everyone is like that, but they, they find it a bit scary uh, that that type of stuff happens, you know, at such a regular clip, or even how um you know uh, you know black people are treated or, or how the police behave because it's a completely different um, experience here uh, yeah, I, I have uh, there are a couple of people who you know brothers and sisters who've come to France and I remember a friend of mine her her husband was coming to visit and so she kind of asked me to kind of play tour guide while she was working during the day. And we were walking and he was talking and he said, you know, I never realized how kind of tense I was in my own country until I came here because it's not like I'm looking over my shoulder or if I see a cop, you know, I gotta worry about something because I can just be, I don't have to think about anything. It's not like uh, you know, anything's gonna go suddenly go sideways. And I found that to be very profound and I can understand why You have, like, for example, when you had Baldwin and a lot of sort of black musicians and artists and, you know, intellectuals come here who ended up staying because they were getting a much better shake and, you know, treated like a decent human being. So why would you want to move back to some place who thinks that you're less than an animal? Um, So in terms of um, the the experience of living here or, or, you know, black Americans particularly who come over, it's a very... Um, eye-opening experience in terms of um, you know the interaction uh, with people or even with with law enforcement because they're much more um, you know no one goes reaching for a gun here it's uh, that that type of thing uh, I mean it might, you know, a baton might get a little bit happy on occasion. Uh, Not to say that those types of things don't happen but in terms of the level of violence or frequency, um, it, it's it's nowhere near what happens in the states.
0: I kind of figure that from what I've seen and noticed, though, like I can see some getting somebody getting a little bit unhappy. I mean, you gotta release some stress somewhere somehow. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm gonna I'm, cut that part I'm, I'm, out. I'm gonna cool if you know that's how you need to relieve your stress. You need to find another line of work because you know that, that that's not for you. Uh, but um, there was a um, one thing I will say is that when the, the George Floyd, um, you know, may he rest in peace, when that happened, that like with living here, that kind of was a spark that set the world on fire because uh, the protests that have sparked even here, um, because there are a couple of events that were similar to that. That had happened here, and it, it just it, it started the fire, and you know people were protesting here as well for George Floyd as well as you know things that had happened uh, to uh, um, Black citizens here. So uh, that was extremely um, uh, influential in terms of kind of lifting uh, you know the rug up and saying, yeah, we kind of have that problem here too, and you know we're going to deal with it.
0: Glad to see that, you know, because, you know, George Floyd, it wasn't just about him. It was about him and everybody looks like. I mean, it,
1: yeah, yeah, like, yeah. This, I mean,
0: like from George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, but Breonna Taylor is like a bunch of other fucking stories. that even make the news. So, yeah, you know,
1: well, it did, but not not with the same sense of urgency or, or, or coverage you know, because you have Breonna, you have uh, Tamir, you, you, you know. Like you said, you know the, the, the list of names uh, can go can go on and on, but that one because it was captured the way that it was just made it so undeniable and so painful that uh, yeah, I mean it was a combination of that and the Karen in the, uh, the the bird park uh, that that combination is you know for the rest of the world really just kind of kicked it off.
0: All right. We we'll get back to the music though, because that's how we
1: met. So, yeah.
0: what was the process of writing your first album?
1: Um. Well, the first one was kind of a catharsis for me because my um, grandmother had died, and I just I needed, and music was always a way for me to kind of work through stuff, and I I, I needed to mark that and. Um, yeah, so i ended up writing that was like my first project so it was like you know four songs I wanted to do something that was you know something that i could do on my own because it you know trying to do a whole album just would have been way too expensive and but I, there were four songs i knew that i that you know or three because of an, inter- an interpretation of uh, george harrison's guitar Gently weep that you know I had in me that you know I wanted to put and one of those was Nana and that you know that was kind of the thing that started it all. And so then I added the the other songs as well. But um, yeah I mean for the my, my first project I was really just kind of inspired because I just needed to work through stuff that I, I couldn't you know I couldn't talk about so I had to put it in music.
0: Sure. Wasn't there another song called Little Sister?
1: Yeah. Yeah 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 yeah,
0: they, was, that, um, songs, that song just stuck me for almost like twenty years. You know how it, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, that that was, um, yeah. I mean those those were those were songs. Kind of,
0: it's like a, as a
1: musician, you know. And I, I, I'm I'm going to assume that maybe sometimes the same thing happens with you. You know, sometimes you you can't talk about stuff. You, you you've got to express it musically because you just you know there's there's no way that you can really kind of emote it with the 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 you know the way that you want to uh, you know verbally in the sense of having a conversation so um, you know you take that pain and you you you, you wrap it up in sound and you, you try to kind of exercise that from yourself so um, yeah though those two were um uh, yeah, those are just things that I just... I needed to kind of exercise like demons because I I couldn't keep them inside.
0: So, all that being said, there's one question I've literally had for about... what we i talking since 2003,
1: right? Yeah, something like that. Now. Like I said, it's been a minute.
0: So, 18 years. I've been trying to figure out the answer to this. What the fuck is a damn field boop? I'm trying to figure this for years. <laughs> a What? Remember you had this one song you had this one song your work called feel boop.
1: Uh um Uh hold on a second Uh feel boop. Oh no, I think um that wasn't the title of the song. I think that was in one of the lyrics. Oh. Feel boop. Yeah, see, so you, you yeah, hold on a second. I think maybe that was, um, from when came to Rocket, maybe.
0: Yeah, because I remember a while back, you know, you mentioned it, right? You said it was Mr. Behind it, right? You said, it'll come out eventually. I'm like, well, it's been 18 years. Yeah. Oh,
1: hold on a second. No, because I actually, uh, no, see, I, I, gotta, I have to dig back into my, my, my musical notes because I have one song that actually has it as a title and then but that's never come out and then I have, I mentioned that word in, um, and I think it's I Came to Rock It.
0: Yeah, because remember it was a song title. That's what I remember. Oh, how
1: did you get that one though?
0: Because you mentioned it, and I asked about it, he you didn't give a
1: clear answer. Oh, ah, okay, okay, so, okay, I get it. So there's, yes, yeah, so now it's been so long, I gotta, I have to, like, dig up the lyrics for that song. I, I couldn't tell you right now, it's been so long. I'll, I'll have to, <laughs> I promise it won't be another 18 years <laughs> before that mystery is song, but I will have to dig that song up.
0: True, it's like, you know, because it was, was kind of like, are right, you ever heard a song, like, uh, you ever heard this thing on, online called The Most Mysterious Song?
1: no but uh, tell me okay
0: so this is song right that nobody knows the name of the song nobody knows who did the song but it was played in germany once on mm-hmm. some radio show and it was really hard to make up the lyrics like some people thought it was like an hungarian some people thought it was german some people thought it was like some kind of eastern european language nobody knew mm-hmm. so people were trying to figure out like like, like, who even did the song? People are trying to figure out. Some people say theoretically it was an it was some popular band, but they put on their different name. Nobody mm-hmm. knows, and it's been this mystery about it for years. So okay. it's kind of like the same
1: idea. Ah, you know. Well, there's, there's, there's definitely a story behind it. But like I said, I, I have to dig back into my musical archives of lyrics and unearth that one because it's been lost in the antiquities of time. Oh no. Oh shit! Hey, right. <laughs> shit! But uh, when I find is that I'll I will, you know, send you the the answer and solve that mystery for you.
0: Thanks, thanks so much. I appreciate that. All right, so <laughs> I'm, I'm just so I take it. So do people know you more as an actor or as a musician now?
1: Um, well, more so as an actor now, but I mean, I, musically, I'm I'm still doing stuff. I've actually worked on. Um, there are a couple of acts I've worked with out here as an um, English and vocal coach um, because they want to expand into the Anglophone market. So I have helped them you know, work on their accents. And uh, actually with one act, I, I, I worked on uh, two of their albums in, in terms of I, I sang on one and, and penned a, a song. And it was like a blues roots folksy kind of. Uh, album. It's so basically a French bluesman um, who's kind of doing some interesting stuff with the blues, but almost with with a touch of Elliott Smith to it as well. Um, so, but you know, musically, uh, you know, that's that's always going to be a part of me. So, but in terms of um, notoriety, I'm, I'm much more known for acting now. I mean, I've done uh, you know a bunch of different movies. I've done two TV series. You know, I do voiceovers now, so, um, you know, sort of on the, the cinema acting thing is much more um, uh, yeah, prevalent.
0: Yeah. Kind of like um, that one actor, whoever it calls, Evil Dave Chappelle. <laughs> Dave Chappelle. Yeah, you know, you know, you
1: know to talk about right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he sees, uh, I mean, he was an actor... And a com- well, I mean, he's a comedic actor, but now he's he's doing his comedy, comedy thing.
0: No, 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 but- no, different guy. I mean, he's literally a guy. He, he I forgot the guy's name, but he looks like he gets confused for Dave Chappelle a lot, though.
1: But you just said Dave Chappelle, so who? who, who why, so there's another. There's, like an there's, an, an there's another
0: dude that looks a lot like him, and it's like you'll know it when you see him. I can't remember his name for shit right now, and my phone just died on me right now, so I can't look it up. But like he was on a bunch of other stuff, and he gets sometimes confused with Dave Chappelle. It was like a Mandela effect in times where people are like, oh,
1: that was him. Okay.
0: The point yeah, is.
1: So you're you're going to have to give me a name because I, I got nothing on that one.
0: And literally, I looked it up. his face pops up. His name is. Bookham Woodbine. Bookum Woodbine. You know when you see him.
1: Oh wait a minute! I know he. Um yes, I know. Um he does like like gangster. Yeah, him. Roles. Yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. He was in was it Dead Presidents?
0: Yeah, I think so. But either way, some people joke comes. He's like Dave Chabot's evil cousin or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know the funny thing about a book in Woodbine was actually in a metal band. Oh really? Yeah, before he got into acting, he was actually in a metal band. Wow. So I thought, was, I thought it was kind of an interesting parallel between you and Book and Woodbine, so people will know you more if you're acting, than your your music though.
1: Right, right.
0: So just reminded reminder, right. I was like, so I was like trying to try to work that reference in there. Hmm.
1: Well, I'll have to I'll have to find him work on a project together and then propose we start a band.
0: That'd be kind of lit, actually. Because <laughs> <laughs> both you all have like like, a yeah. similar vocal range, actually. Except yours is deeper, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, we, we definitely kind of have a similar look sheer coincidence yeah yeah
0: I didn't even think about yeah, that. That,
1: that that's funny that's hilarious Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to have to I'm going to earmark that one now to uh, the next time if I you know he's going to be on my radar now so if I ever get in a project with him I'm like yo my man hey Mr. you ever Metalhead. better
0: you ever better shot than most <laughs> yeah
1: we'll see we'll see that's funny though well yes yeah, well, at some point, of once if I ever come back to the States, you know, and do some Marvel blockbuster, uh, you know, that you know I'll have a better chance of meeting him. But for now, I'm in Europe. I'm doing projects between France, you know, the UK and Japan, and uh, you know, so and I don't have to worry about getting shot at. So. Um, no, I'm I'm good here for now. Wait
0: I don't blame that. you. Yeah, actually, it's a funny story you mentioned that. All right, there was this one cop named, I can't remember his name, but it was Eric Dorn, or Dorner something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And he was a cop that started shooting everybody.
1: Uh, Wait I mean, a minute, are you, are you talking about the um, uh, the black cop that yeah, everyone yeah, was yeah. trying to chase down? Like they, they, they sort of got him in a building and burnt him to yeah, that down? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, funny story. Okay, the story was that literally, um LL Cool J and the guy who um was on that so the, played the Dennis, that's a so Raven. They literally stayed in the house for a week. Oh really? Because that guy looks just like me. I'm staying my ass in the house. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, I might be a celebrity, when I'm black first, man.
1: Shit. Right? Yeah, yeah. That that's always, you know, that's always a thing. It doesn't matter how successful you are. Uh, they're gonna see black 1st so you know. I'll I'll come back to the states when I have my own security detail and entourage, where I don't ever have to deal with that kind of nonsense. Smart move, you know. You know. I've I've been there before, done that. Bought the T-shirt. I have no interest in uh, being, you know, subject to that type of, uh, you know.
0: Yep. I think mean, damn near every black person in this in the states has that story yeah uh-uh.
1: uh me too that's why I'm here <laughs> Exactly. He's
0: like was lucky i'm just I'm just lucky to be alive to tell the tale I'll put it that way yeah.
1: uh, we we've, we've all had you know the experience once or twice in our lives, so uh, yeah I, i'm I'm not gonna have that the third time so so how'd you get into fencing um well, when I moved here uh I had some time on my hands, and I always wanted to take fencing you know it's uh but in the U.S. it's kind of like something that usually you would only do if you were, you know, at like an Ivy League university or something. And here it's kind of like, you know, we play basketball in the States. You know, you have fencers. Um, And so they have fencing clubs all over the place. So I decided to uh, go in and um, give it a whirl, and it turned out that I actually was pretty good at it. And, uh, you know, after that, um, you know, I just stuck with it. There were a couple of people who, when I first started fencing, and it's funny because each country, you know, they have their own kind of signature or or flavor or trademark of of culturally how they fence. And as an American, you know, I was fencing from a position of power, you know, so my thing was whatever defense someone was going to put up, I was just going to smash through it like the Hulk. And uh, there were these older cats there that, you know, they kind of admired my enthusiasm and optimism, but uh, because they had much more experience, and it was funny because they were much older than me, um, and they were just doing stuff that completely shut down, you know, what I was trying to produce. Like, "Mm, well, maybe I need to learn a little bit more. And um, so they kind of took me under their wing and uh, it just t- it just took off from there. So we formed like a little, you know, fencing team, and you know, we fenced internationally. We fenced the uh, you know the, the, uh, the national circuit, and uh, no, but I love it. it it's um it, it's a, it's an amazing sport. It's a, it's like a mixture of um it's like a combination of basketball and chess because you have to be strategic with it, but it's very kinetic in terms of you know you kind of have to move around. Um, so it can be a very, I mean, sometimes about are like three minutes, but it can be a very, uh, intense three minutes.
0: Cause I remember the first time you picked up fencing, you told me the story about how those one guy you were going up against and he was like thoroughly impressed. He thought you were like, you know, you're like a vet at this, right? I said, nope, picked it up four hours ago. And he was
1: pissed about it. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. There was, um, there were a, a couple of, uh, stories like that. and There was one where I was fencing some guy who was I guess was of some notoriety and you know I'm the new kid on the block so they're all sort of gathering around and cheering him on and so the more they cheer him on, him on the more pissed I get because like look you guys came it's like you know when you you know you're, let's say there's a a football match and you're playing another team and you know maybe they got the home court advantage And everyone just kind of dumping on you, like, you know, I'm just going to take all of this rage and just channel it into this guy until I break him. And, um, yeah, so it's just like, you know, we we were doing this bout, and, you know, I ended up beating the guy. And, you know, I just kind of did my salute, thanks, see you later, and kind of walked off. And, like, you just beat the number two guy of, you know, he was like a freaking, you know, Champion twice over, you know, ten years ago or something. Well, that was a while ago. So I was like, you know, I thought it was cool, but you know, I'm I'm sure he wasn't at the top of his game. But the fact that I came in and actually did that, you know, people started paying attention. But you know, sometimes it's like you know, it's it's changed. I think over the like the past five years, where you know, lots more diversity is getting in, into the the game. But when I started, like you know what, like, I guess 13 years ago, um, they were kind of like, like, I didn't belong there. like, who are you? Um, are you sure this is where you need to be? And so that was my motivation to, uh, you know, just get as good as I, I could. I, I love the sport. I, I love love the game. Um, it, it's brilliant. It, it, it's beautiful to watch two people who are very good at it because they're, they're such a grace... Uh, An art to it. It's it literally for me is you know physical poetry, that um, you know it's like I haven't been able to do it for the past year and a year and a half because of the pandemic. Uh, but as soon as the, the season starts again, you know I will be back, you know on the strip. It's it's I highly recommend you know if you if you've ever um, uh, if you've never fenced to just go to a fencing club nearby and just. Now, they'll usually let you try out, you know, the first, you know, one or two times for free to see if uh, you like it. But um, it's 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 a wonderful sport, and you can really kind of discover a lot about yourself as a person that you can kind of transfer that uh, into everyday life as well. So uh, if you ever get the opportunity, I highly recommend.
0: You know, I still get a kick out. He still be the number two guy, even if he's out of his shape. I put it this way. Listen, um, when people retire, sometimes it doesn't mean they can't do anymore. It just means they don't want to anymore. Like I put it this way: even Mike Tyson, five years as I retired, I still want to take a punch from him.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's true. That's true. So, but I mean, I was just more, I was just more happy to shut everyone down because they were like, you know. They they were obviously wanted this guy to you know beat me and I, I didn't get into the dynamics of why they were so animated about having him beat me whether was, I was a black or American I didn't really you know get that deep into the tea leaves I just knew that you know these people were like you know send this guy home and I was not ready to leave so uh, yeah I mean that was uh, a very it was it was a very good day for me. <laughs>
0: It's yeah. fucking awesome. I always thought that store was cool as shit, to be told. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: No, that I mean the thing is is um, I actually uh, have you ever read the comic book called Grendel?
0: I've known I know some Dark Horse comics, but I never really sat down and yeah, read them. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's from it's on Dark Horse. And so I actually have that uh, that's on my mask. Like people recognize me because they nowadays now people are try are, are sometimes confused with venom because the yeah, the, the 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 shape of the eyes looks somewhat similar, but um, no, that's that's my moniker. So when they see that, they they it's a like I've I, I fenced enough on the circuits now to wear you know, once you've done it for a while, people like remember you or know who you are, and so that's that's kind of like my talisman. Um, you know, that's my my uh, you know, that's on my mask, and you know. One of the things that kind of inspired me to really want to try fencing because in like the, I think the first issue, you know he was a, a fencing wonderkin, and uh, so that that kind of you know, planted the seed of curiosity. But yeah, so I, I have him painted on my my mask, and so that that's how I fence.
0: Uh, that's something I always intrigued me: either fencing or sword fighting. Two different things, I know, but. I don't know if voice Not means-
1: necessarily, I mean, fencing is sword fighting, but, I mean, there are different kind of swords. I mean, you have German sword fighting. Fencing, in terms of the sports, like that you see, you know, at the Olympics, you have three weapons. You have saber, foil, and epee, and they, all three of them have different sets of rules. Um, I'm an FAist and, and an epeist uh, is for, you know, the, the short version... Is probably the most truest form of combat and the easiest because with epée you can touch anywhere on the body and you know it's it's with floor foil and saber you know you can only touch certain parts of the body and then they have this rules of whoever touches first and so there's this debate that can go back and forth you know on, on who you know gets the point versus epée it's simple I touch you you touch me you know head to toe you know everything is open season, so it's it's a much truer form of, of combat and a bit more difficult to defend against because, you know, everything is, you know, uh, it's open season on everything.
0: You know, you sparked back my interest, you know. Well, Avant, great chatting with you. You know, it's really the first time I actually really spoke voice-to-voice and everything, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, so like I said, it's been a minute, but, um, you know, it's a, I love technology that allows people to kind of, keep in touch and you know sort of find each other easily uh you know no matter how much time has gone by but you know it's been a pleasure oh
0: yeah so is there anything else out there you want to check out
1: um anything else i want you to check out uh nothing immediately comes to mind um no, <laughs> I mean nothing that I could talk about. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, check, check check back in from time to time. Maybe I'll have something interesting or something that I'm legally allowed to discuss uh, in terms of projects. But um, yeah, I mean, for, for now, it's like you know, I get. Uh, a couple of the things in the series coming out. Uh, there was a series on Netflix I've worked on called Into the Night. Um, you know, I've done some French film. Uh, you know, I'm 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 trying to 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 work my way to that Marvel leading role blockbuster. So uh, uh, you know, I have that in my sights. It's a bit far away, but you know, I keep hoping live.
0: That's all. Like, that's all one can do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. Hey, that was Strange Strangel, great catching up with him, haven't spoken to him in a minute actually. So, until next time, take it easy and please use common sense. Also, feel free to like, share, and subscribe to the show.